Welcome back to Drinks First. We have an exciting guest today who I met through kind of my event planning situations. Um, I love meeting interesting people. And when we met, I just was like, you got to come on the podcast. I know you have stories. So I'm really excited for this episode. So welcome to our guest. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on here too. You're also very charismatic, very easy to talk to. So I'm excited. (laughs) Well, thank you. So I start off every episode by asking where you're from, where in New York City you live now, how old you are, and what you do for work. So I am Taiwanese, but I grew up between Hong Kong and New York. And now I am living in Fresh Meadows, Queens. So for now, I wear a couple hats. I am an events and auction consultant at a consignment firm. And I also have my own LLC for event planning, which I have a couple clients for. Um, but realistically, I'm still planning the direction of that. Um, and I'm also working on a event management developing, um, developing an app. So we'll see how that goes. And did you grow up in Fresh Meadows, Queens as well when you were coming to New York? Nope. I have lived in multitude of places, um, Forest Hills, Woodside, um, Flushing, Whitestone, South Street Seaport, Midtown, and then now in Fresh Meadows to all over the place. (laughs) All over. And how old are you? And did you go to college? If so, where? So I am 36. I went to Baruch College and I also went to Fordham University. Um, And that's a city college. That's a CUNY, the best one in town. You have been a New Yorker for a long, long time. What through between all of those neighborhoods, why Fresh Meadows, Queens now? So now I actually just moved back home from Hong Kong um, last year, and it's really to rekindle and rebuild my relationship with my mother. So living at home has been very challenging and interesting at my age, um, living away since, you know, moving out when, what, 19, and then coming back home the last two years has been difficult. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I feel like when I was, you know, we were all kind of forced to move back home to some degree during COVID. Yeah. And being back with my family and my parents, like, love them. (laughs) But oh my God. (laughs) Yes. The questions, when are you coming home? What are you doing? Are you drunk? Are you not drunk? Are you dating? Who are you dating? It's really none of your business. I just need peace and quiet when I'm in the door. Leave me the fuck alone. So that doesn't cease even when yeah, it's always going to it's always going to persist basically. No. Correct. Correct. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Cuz you always be their baby girl. I know. I I get it like trust me I do especially with Asian parents. They are mm. so overbearing but <laughs> we love them. Yes, what is privacy? Privacy is not a thing. No, privacy is not a thing. I never had a lock on any door growing up. Wow. The only door I had a lock on was my bathroom. And so (laughs) when I was like tired, when I was sad, when I like just needed a break, I would go sit on my bathroom floor and lock the door because that was the only room I had privacy in. Wow. Okay. That is a lot more intense than mine. I also was a rebel. So when I needed (laughs) privacy, I just wouldn't come home for days. Um, So we can imagine what kind of issues that caused with Asian parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I, uh, I honestly had those moments too. There were times that I would like get into fights with my parents I'd leave my house and I I would never stay out for days but I would stay out for like 
hours and not tell them where I was. <laughs> and that would also drive them crazy. So it's a universal experience, apparently. Oh. It absolutely is. And it still just blows my mind when I walk through the door and they're like, why are you drunk? Like, why are you asking? How many times do I need to tell you? (laughs) Well, that must be interesting when it comes to dating. Yes, it is. That, I mean, definitely no one ever comes home. Nobody comes near my home. Um, This is my sanctuary. So that's something I've developed over the years. My home, unless it's a steady partner, they don't come through. And I want to obviously come back to dating, but I want to talk a little bit about your career and your business. You're doing all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So I originally started as an auditor and I have then transpired into going into recruitment, doing sales. Um, I always freelance with event planning just because I've always enjoyed doing this, connecting people. Now that I'm putting my roots back down in New York, um, these opportunities are happening also post-COVID, realizing that last job I had as a ITPM was just really not it. It was like I got things done, but it wasn't something I cared about. And then now, like, you know, the Big Apple is a hustle city. You want to hustle, people will come to you and give you opportunities as long as you actually can deliver. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're a prime example, right? We met at the venue and look at us now a few months later, reconnecting, talking. We had a great coffee, like we had a great cocktail session at Dante's. Yeah. yeah. We had so much fun. You never know who you're going to meet, honestly. Exactly. And you really have to just be open minded. And I think one of the takeaways too, it's like, you know, when I was younger thinking about, hey, I don't want to share my ideas with people because they might steal it. I mean, Mm. first of all, I didn't execute them. Second of all, like, if you're worried about people stealing it, then get it done sooner rather than later. And then if people are stealing it, they're the people that are doing shame to you. And if you have to meet the right people, like they can help you along the way. So yeah. Definitely. I, you know, I love talking to people in hospitality about dating because I think you have such a unique outlook on, mm-hmm. on what it's like, because one, I think people in hospitality are tuned to other people's needs. Mm-hmm. And so that brings in like an extra care in any relationship they might be in. But also you, as somebody who puts on events, who works in a venue, you get to watch endless numbers of connections being made, first dates happening. Like what's your outlook on all of that? I think it's always, um, I think it's, uh, it's always so interesting because one of the references I thought about when coming up with the value for my company, um, was that human connections, you know, to your point, every single time I want to create something, I don't want to do like conferences. And when I see these venues, you know, with experience, I can sniff out when it's a first date, you can tell when it's an awkward date. Um, and you can tell when someone needs help to get the ball rolling, you know, Mm. bring them an extra drink or just like pep in and talk. And it's just, it never ceases to amaze me that's one component of human facet is so dynamic and if you pay attention there's always a story and it's so fun to listen to what are some have you had any crazy stories of like watching people on dates or things happening in venues you've worked at Yes, I was on a date actually in Hong Kong. And this was a first date with a guy that I put him on a pedestal. He wasn't a drinker. And so you mirror your date, right? So he literally orders a drink um, and goes with Diet Coke. And I'm sitting there like shitting my pants. Like, oh my God, I can't drink. I can't relax. And then next thing I know, the table next to me, I can hear this couple. And you can just see them looking at each other. And they were 
arguing, but it was like a first day kind of thing. Like the body language was very stiff. And the girl was like, you know, you really shouldn't be saying things like that. He was like, what do you mean? I just don't think a woman should be doing this kind of thing. I don't think blah, blah, blah. And I was just sitting there like, I wanted to jump in and tell him to shut the fuck up. Mm. Meanwhile, it was just a back and forth. And I'm just, it was so funny to me that she sat there and took it. I would have just been like, this is not working. You can go fuck yourself or go meet someone else. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm out, you know, but they kept going. They literally sat there for two hours. Some people have crazy thresholds for other people. Or like was like it tolerances? Like, yeah, but was it a tolerance thing, or was it like the battle of the eagles where they just had to prove a point, and until mm. they proved it, they didn't want to leave. Maybe they're a perfect match. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're fucking married for now. Who knows? COVID could have done it. COVID could have done it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so going back to dating. So what has dating been like for you? You've lived all over the city. I'm sure every moment of that has been has had its own kind of like era in life so oh yeah I would love to hear about it. I mean, where do we start? I guess we can start with, you know, I was based on social construct when I was younger definitely. Um I was always in monogamous relationships and I was in a 3 year, 3 year, 1 year, 1 and a half year and 1 year. Then the last one was a year and a half of monogamy. Um obviously That's with like a 10 years. Yeah, I mean, I am 36, honey. I mean, I may not act old, but apparently I am to other people. <laughs> I mean, you look fantastic. So you can, you don't look a day over 26. Thank you very much. That's also what you said on site too. It was very <laughs> sweet. Made my day. But yeah, thinking about that, after I had a narcissistic and emotionally abusive relationship, I ended up getting into a open relationship situation, which was uncharted territories for me, especially coming out of a place where like insecurities drove me insane. Um, cheating was definitely a thing I didn't accept. I was a part of my growing up. Um, my family all cheated. And so that was something mm. I wasn't okay with. And then, but having um, to have, you know, actually venture into open relationship space, it was really interesting because my first partner, he managed to make me feel so special every single day, irregardless that I knew that he dated other people. Mm. And what mattered, and that's when I learned a title doesn't mean anything. Like the person can promise you the fucking world, give you a goddamn ring and have babies with you. But they will still go out there and be assholes and cheat, whether that's a man or a woman, you know. Mm. So I've learned to shift my dynamics from a monogamous relationship to what I like an open relationship. And whether that's, you know, specifically defined uh, we are in an open relationship or just openly saying I am dating other people, you're welcome to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. You say that you've had like family members cheat before. Do you feel like that has swayed you into either at first searching for something monogamous or do you think that you're more open to the idea of being open because you've seen this happen in your family? You know, that's a really, really great question. I think big thing is that growing up, I never wanted to get married or have kids. Um, mm. But I, I have consistently wanted to find a partner, someone I can enjoy life with and do all the silly things with. So that's where, you know, the monogamous part was always great for me. I think, unfortunately for me, the monogamous relationships have, my partners have cheated on me. 
Um, I unfortunately have cheated once or twice and I just felt like a horrible person, but that's not what swayed me into the open. Now them cheating actually, if anything made me think like monogamy is the only way that's the right way of doing things. But it was only after, you know, me having so many monogamous relationships, some of them being controlling, some of them just, you know, they were great until they weren't. And then cheating, then, you know, having friends that were doing it and talking about it and then also have had experience of dating multiple people at the same time then realize that you know at the end of the day it's not a comparative game if you sit there and go this person is apples and that person's orange they're lacking in this and this then it becomes like a game of comparison versus appreciating the time you spend with someone Mm. so the flip side is like you know, friends, we have a lot of friends, right? Acquaintances, um, you have your inner circle. You're not like, I like her better than her because she does this and that, you know, and vice versa in the open relationship format. That is also where I learned to avoid doing that. Although, I mean, of course, mm. the, the process comes in my head, but I think our attention and our energy, while there is going to be some bias, like if you're active and appreciating someone for who they are, rather than what they do or what they are compared to someone else. There's so it's so much more rewarding. Yeah, you're you're looking at someone for what they provide versus what they lack. Mhm. Exactly. And I have found that to be a lot more fulfilling and also in doing that realizing that you know they appreciate me for, you know, my transparency and my honesty and you know they see that I can care for them the same way, but of course when the, you know if I'm no longer interested I also am very firm on the policy of breaking things off properly with respect. Never treat anyone how you don't want to be treated. Don't ever mm-hmm. fucking ghost, man. That is the most cowardly thing people can do. And then, you know, just be honest. Like, if you don't have any feelings, that's fine. And sometimes, you know, people's emotions get involved and hard conversations have to be had. I feel like there's so much here I want to talk about, like, from from the beginning. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you rattled off. You were like... Well, I was in this relationship for three years, three years, one year, one and a half years. Yeah, like sorry. you, you boiled it down so quickly into just like moments in time, oh, yeah. which is like, I mean, iconic. But also, three years is a long time. Like two, three year relationships back to back, even a year and a half is a long time. That's a good chunk of your life to spend with somebody when you're searching for a partner. If that's yeah. like what well, that which was what your mindset was. Mm-hmm. So in those relationships, I mean, you mentioned cheating. You mentioned that you've been cheated on. You've mentioned that you've cheated before. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that that happened? I think the cheating happened when needs weren't met. Um, mm. And then one of them originally started where I knew he had double dated me. And then I caught him after we had already said that we were exclusive. Then after that, he was super sorry. We moved on from that. But that planted the seed already of that cheating. Mm. So I was bartending and go to school full time. And he would still have his boys night where I eventually started getting invited to. But that seed was always there. Mm. And unfortunately, girls, women, don't ever fucking do this. Don't ever read texts or emails. I did read a horrible conversation he had with his guy friends comparing she and I. And it was not nice. It was the the only reason why he opted to stay with me at that point was because she would get blackout drunk and cannot hold her composure. But then in, in terms of a pedigree was better than mine, you know, and 
you know, we ended up having a wonderful three-year relationship, but by the end of it, um, he got laid off and he went traveling. Then again, I caught him with messages telling his friends he was looking to see if a stripper would sleep with him. And then he was looking to see if he can meet his friend's really rich cousin and see if that would work. And that just, you know, when he came back from his trip, I I confronted him and that's when he still denied it, even though it was in black and white. And then I cheated. And so that was like a revenge thing. It was very selfish. It was immature. Um, And I frankly thought he didn't know, but I I did find out eventually he did. Mm. And, you know, that was a reflection of my poor actions. And you can't blame someone else for what you do. How old were you when all of this was happening? This was when I was in my early 20s to mid 20s. And how did you meet him? And at what point did you find out that he was cheating? (laughs) Oh, that's such a good question. I met him at a bar. Okay. Um, and I was ordering a whiskey shot. He was standing next to me. I thought he was hot. I just offered to order him one as well. And it was, uh, it was really cute. He goes, I'm, he was just like, this is really refreshing. Girls never offer to buy drinks. And I was like, hmm, whatever. Do you want a shot? Got him a shot. And then the rest was history. That's a slay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a lesson learned there for any girl today. I I feel like I tell my guy friends in New York now, especially when I hold these events that like women in New York are aggressive. They like what if they know what they like, they know what they want, they will be pretty upfront with you. It's like a different dating game here where, you know, I think you encounter very like strong women who will buy you a drink, will ask you out, will tell you if they think you're attractive. Oh, hell yeah. I think like New York, um, New York is just a whole different breed in every single aspect, whether that comes to work or dating or just in general, like we're hustlers, you know, and I think even living in Hong Kong, I got that comment a lot. They're like, you're so New York. And I'm like, yeah, I'm damn right. I fucking am. Yeah. And so you were in this three year relationship, clearly a bit toxic, a bit tumultuous, uh, if I'm hearing correctly, and I don't (laughs) want to miscategorize, but what what do you feel like you learned from that and like how did that impact your relationships moving forward i think what i learned was that you know if someone if you're insecure and you're anxious in a relationship and they don't make you feel safe don't sit around and expect them to fix that for you you know mm-hmm. they can only do so much of assurance Um, It is also on them to earn your trust and not just give it freely. And if you're going to let something go, you have to let it go. Because then it became a thing where I'm like, you did this like like three years ago. And he was like, I haven't done anything since. But then I Mm. think also when he wasn't happy, I wasn't also empathetic thinking about that. I became that person that fed into his negativity as well. Mm. And then, of course, he did the same thing. So I think three key takeaways in your insecurity, it's on you to work with. You can communicate your needs and they can't fix something if they don't know it's broken. One. And then two is that whatever your partner does, you know, whether you like it or not, be true to yourself and be the girlfriend you want to be. Be the good partner. Be that. Because you know what? When you walk away, walk away with your fucking head held up high and mm-hmm. know that you didn't change, you know, like change your values and, you know, become maybe as bad as them. And, you know, finally, when you walk away, walk away and always look back and be empathetic and think about if there's something I had done and not just point fingers. Mm -hmm. Because I think when I was younger, you know, without having to do a lot of self-work, everything was like, he made me feel like this. He made me feel like that. You did this. Now it's like, I'm always like, okay, what could I have done better? 
hey, is this what you need from me? It, would this solve this issue? How, and how do you feel like moving on from that relationship and ones that followed that you worked on that insecurity that you had? Because I feel like that negativity that you might have had in that relationship that led you to make choices that you didn't feel good about. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a lot of people who listen to my podcast are, you know, in that kind of like mid 20s yeah. range where all they want is to find their partner. And a lot of people are kind of searching for that. They're chasing that. But I think we constantly hear, especially as women, like you have to be happy with yourself before you enter a relationship. You have to work on yourself. You should be independent. You should have a life outside of your partner. How do you address these sort of longstanding insecurities that might exist, ones that come up from relationships and that that sort of desire to really seek a partner at this age? So I think insecurities, you know, I've come to realize they're not stemming from just the one partner. It's not, um, it usually is, you know, maybe this may sound cliche, but it does stem from a lot of childhood, Mm. as in the impressions that you've have had, maybe you were bullied in school. And then there are insecurities that you have that really doesn't have to do with romantic aspects. It's who you identify yourself with as a person. How do you see yourself? You know, being independent and all of these things, it's required not only romantically, but even being a good friend, being a good sibling, being a good coworker, because otherwise you'll always project the negative. And there's a cognitive distortion between what reality is and what is happening in your head. So, you know, if you want to find a partner, the things I think about is what are your deal breakers? For example, in a really blunt way, if you want kids, one person doesn't want kids, that is a deal breaker. That's not something yeah. like you can all of a sudden, I want a purse, don't want a purse. That's something you can fix. That's something changeable. If these are qualities that is not dynamic and changeable, they are deal breakers, you know? Yeah. And then the other thing about the dating nowadays, why are you dating? Are you dating because you're expected to date? Are you dating because you want to find someone that complements your life, doesn't supplement mm. your Like they can't be, they, they can't be a because with them, I am whole. You need to be whole with them and they need to be a bonus in your life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, then the days that, you know, you're you're feeling a little less, then you're going to be like, they're not doing enough to make me feel good. It's not their fucking job. It's your job. But having said that, just because we're never, as humans, we're always working progress, especially as women. We have all these hats that we're expected to wear, but you can wear all these hats, but we have finite energy. So you have 100%. What do you give it to? You figure that out. And then that's when you figure out where do you really have room for romance, like romance. Because mm. I was fucking boy crazy as a teenager, man. Like, I, have I spent so much more time studying? God damn it. I might have solved cancer. Okay, no, maybe I'm not that brilliant, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know. The, the amount of energy I think we allow finding a partner in your, like, 20s. You have to have kids by your 30s. Yep. Like, there, it's not... Luckily, I think that narrative is shifting a bit, but it still exists. And I think that pressure still exists. And even at, you know, I'm about to be 27, I feel like I hear this conversation coming up more and more like my biological clock is ticking. Like I have to start thinking about my future. If I want a family, I have to start thinking about that 
right now in terms of finding a partner uh, or I need to think about freezing my eggs. Like there's just a different (laughs) clock that I think women are forced to consider if they want certain things in their life. So they feel that pressure to find a partner. Absolutely. You mentioned like earlier on and even with the deal breakers that you weren't interested in having kids. Is that still true? And if so, like how has that kind of dictated your dating life? So for me, I've never wanted kids just because, oh my God, dear God, if you met me when I was a kid, you will not want a kid either. (laughs) Um, I turned out all right though, I think. Um, But I think more importantly, what I learned a long time ago was that, like you said, the um, expectations of women were supposed to have kids and family. And I have seen, and I've seen so many partners, even as kids and families that literally had them because they needed to. Mm. Um, But it wasn't, you know, and then becomes desperation and they settle for the partner, you know, because in a rush of this, kids are not a fucking, we're not your fucking band-aids. Dogs are not your fucking band-aids. You want to have kids and you want to have a good life? Start with the right intention, which is if you want to be married, find the right partner first. Then the kids should be an afterthought. Then financial should be the afterthought. Like that's not something that you're like, I want kids, therefore I'm getting married. It's It should be, I want a good partner, define it what a good partner is, then does this partner want kids and then go into having kids. Cause there are, you know, unfortunately people that I've seen that had kids earlier on, they love their kids to the moon and back. But after like 10 years, they're like, the relationship's not working. They mm. go, I wish I had known this about them. I wish I had not rushed into it. And then, you know, um, divorces nowadays are, you know, the, the more than 50% rate, but what's, I think the, the shift in the, um, social construct nowadays, people are actually looking more for love versus needing to have a husband because as women now we are I mean even though there's you know financial inequalities we have the ability to stand alone and Mm -hmm. I think also with men um I think also the big thing is that I ended up you know knowing that I don't want to have kids and stuff you know there are a lot of I dated older men that already have kids and they've already been there done that Mm. Um, and because I also wasn't looking to get into committed relationship, then that just worked out because Mm -hmm. I had a great time with them. It was, you know, older men with gentleman etiquettes and they've already done the fuck boy phase and it's just, you know, mature. But, you know, if I meet the right partner and that's something that they're interested in later on, I'm open. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not like, oh my God, I have to have kids. Marry me now. Like, no, I will fucking tie my tubes. (laughs) Yeah, you're not feeling that pressure. You care no. more about the person that you're partnered with and then seeing if that's a life that you guys want together. Correct. And, the, you know, the other thing is your kids is essentially the legacy of your values. Like they're a mm. download of you and then their external life, right? Like their environments. They'll never, they're not going to be a replica of you, but they are a really like in tech days, like they're a download of you. So if you're not in a happy relationship, you're not happy with yourself, that translates. Like they mm. can feel your stress. That is going to be a part of their daily life. Do you want them watching you fight? Do you want them to see you settle in a shitty relationship or, whatever what have you right yeah um so no that's something i'm like being able to have kids is a gift you know and that's some a privilege that i don't want to abuse yeah yeah that makes sense and you mentioned you've dated older men how old are we talking um 46 47 50 and 51 okay and at what age were you and what was that like that's been the last three years, I would say. Okay. So recently you Mm -hmm. have been gravitating towards older men. Yes. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I had a really wonderful Tinder date with this one particular individual, and we had been seeing each other for well over a year. Um, and honestly, this this man is a gentleman, a gem, thoughtful, candid, honest, and very aware, you know, and his priorities will always be his son. And I respect that. But ultimately, I think for me, I also wasn't looking, I wasn't emotionally ready to have a commitment. But then because I didn't have a father figure growing up, watching him and respecting that is something that's very important. Mm. Um, And we just really had a lot of fun. Like he got to experience a lot of things that he wouldn't have done. You know, like we did the going out and then trying new things and then cooking and then chilling. And then I could go to him for like life advice. And same thing with the other um, individuals I dated. And they were the same. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're at the point where they don't have time, like they don't want to waste time. Mm -hmm. So when they want to spend time with me, it's, very clear there's it's not ambiguous and they go out of way to plan and they know like you know when I say this is this it's not when I say no it's a maybe it's like if I say fucking plan something plan something you know yeah um and they will take the initiative and it's so refreshing and you know behind the scenes you know they they've been around the block and had partners and they know what to do to take (laughs) care of you they know what they're doing they know what they're doing makes sense yeah you said somewhat how how long have you been kind of in this open relationship mindset and where do you think that turning point was for you I think that was definitely after coming out of a uh, emotionally abusive relationship and um I was comp- I mean I was complete I was a whole different person I had anxiety mm-hmm. I couldn't even like I would go home at nine I was told I was fat and I was told you know he would hit on my friends and then tell me we don't have sex. And then I approach him with lingerie. I'm not in the mood. And then cheated on me two weeks after we broke up. I was, I was fucking distraught. And then for three months, I couldn't, I could barely get my shit together. I was struggling at work. And at one point I was like, I am never, ever going to let anyone change me for who Mm -hmm. I am. I lost my personality. I wasn't allowed to drink. I couldn't smoke. And that was when I, the mindset changed. I, I will never change who I am for anyone else. Mm. Then the the first person I dated was the one that was like, "Hey, I am this is how I'm dating and, you know, I don't want you to change your expectations for me, but this is where we start." Mm. And then so I went with it and then, you know, after a month, after two months, we built and we spent more and more time together and that's when I learned the quality thing mattered so much more. Mm. Um, and then I think on the flip side, because of my own personal trauma, there was like, I still had a lot of that anxiety and insecurities and he helped me grow out of that. Mm. And then the person after that did the same thing because of the, they're, they're not my boyfriend. They don't need to do anything for me, but they choose to, you know, mm. they choose to plan the dates. They choose to give me words of affirmation, choose to spoil me, you know, by like, um, you know, thoughtful little things and, you know, um, making plans with me when, you know, I'm stressed or calling me and leaving meetings like for these things. And that mattered to me. And that's when I learned that, you know, title isn't about, it doesn't fix anything. It's not Mm. what glues people together. But I have slowly, you know, after enjoying my time with that, I have recently kind of met someone that has challenged me and have interested me in reconsidering the, you know, like 
not seeing anyone else. Mm. Um, and that was that was interesting because my psychologist that I was talking to basically was like, you do realize you are emotionally unavailable, blah, blah, blah. And I fire him all the time. Like, I mean, at one point when I like, it was like every other time, any time he would bring up a good point, I would just <laughs> like be like, you're fired. And then it's like, okay, can we talk? <laughs> So how how long ago was this when you came out of this like really terrible relationship? This was four years ago. Okay. Yeah. So you've been in sort of this um, non-monogamous lifestyle for a minute now. Mm-hmm. And for, for anybody who might be listening, clearly you went through a really traumatic and terrible experience in that yeah. relationship. What do you think kept you in it? And what are some signs for people who might be experiencing or have experienced that before on signs to get out, how to get help, how to move on? Well, that, that's such a good question. I wish I had that. Um, so it wasn't until towards the end that um, we really realized that he was a narcissist. So some of the red flags is the love bombing to start with giving you, sharing with you a lot of attention and too much attention of anything. Then start kind of like offering you a lot of things, promises about the future, and then pretending that, you know, you're the one and only. And then um, having these words that would, they would gaslight you, but somehow still the gaslighting, the full premise is that they will dis, uh, they will disvalue your feelings and it's always you making something out of it and then they will always it will always be about their schedule about their needs and when it comes to you doesn't matter it's like oh you know I feel like I want to go to the gym today instead of tomorrow why are we going tomorrow like you know we're supposed to go today that's my schedule you know Mm -hmm. that's like little red flags that you can see also if they are if they are controlling as in they make it seem like they want your time are they wanting your time or controlling your time and also when they start basically doing the push pull of you know that they start doing silent silent treatments you know if they can't communicate they need space they just, when they're upset with you, ignore you. They're just trying to make you crave their attention and take the power from you. So these are definitely flags I would look for. And also when you start noticing that you're distancing from your friends and you're afraid to talk to your friends about them, or he tells you or she tells you not to talk about your relationship to other people, there is definitely, um, there's merit in keeping your relationships private. But there is another point when they're isolating you. And if your friends don't like them because they are, they treat you a certain way, listen to that. Hear them. Because mm. it's one thing if it's like, oh my God, she's so loud. She's so annoying. Versus like, I feel like you haven't been coming out a lot. Like, you know, you're anxious and like hear those words versus if they don't like someone because of action traits versus how they treat you. How they you make you feel and how like, you're showing up. Correct. Thank you. That was much better than what I said. No, I mean, everything you're saying makes so much sense and is is so important. Like, I feel like I have experienced friends who've had similar experiences and relationships. And it's such a telltale sign when you might not be seeing as much of someone anymore once they're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And you know, you don't know necessarily that they're being fully honest and open with what they're struggling with. And that's like a really, even as a friend, that's a very hard thing to kind of support your friends through and get them out of because 
there's so little that they might choose to share about it. Exactly. And that's also where, like, does the fear come from, like, wanting to keep it private because they want to make sure their partner looks good? You know, there are things that shouldn't be told in public, right? But then you should have a confidant who you can feel comfortable to talk about. And I got to the point where, you know, at the end, when I finally got out of the relationships, pretty much all my friends were like, yeah, we didn't understand why you're with him, but you were so anxious Mm. all the time and you kept putting him on a pedestal. You know, you always justified his actions. That's another red flag too, when you have to make excuses for your partner. You know, um, fights happen in relationships and when it's constructive, it's healthy. But Mm. if it's one-sided and constantly putting you down and you have to change... That's a fucking problem, dude. Yeah, definitely. I'm mm. like, I'm like sitting here, like nodding my head. People can't, people can't see, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like introspectively, like nodding my head because so many good points are being made. Yeah, I, I'm glad. So I want to like, you know, focus on some of the more positive things. Obviously, yeah. you, you've learned so much from all of these relationships. And I believe any relationship somebody's in, good or bad, you learn more about yourself and mm-hmm. you can take away something positive from it. For sure. So these past four years, you've been exploring this lifestyle of non-monogamy. And that was on set by somebody who introduced you to it. Mm-hmm. But clearly, it stuck for you. So I, you know, I think people here... More than ever now, I've been seeing the term ENM, open relationship, ethical non-monogamy. Like, I feel like I used to only see that on, like, specific apps that were catered towards that. Now yeah. there's, like, a space for it on Hinge. There's a space for it on Bumble. Like, yeah. you, you can be, like, way more open about that situation. So what's it like being in an open relationship? And what are some of the pros and some of the difficulties that you've run into being in one? So I think um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think the pros are definitely that, um, you know, if you're extrovert and you're a social person, this gives you opportunities to connect with people on different levels. Um, One of the things is, you know, like when I when I had dated a few people at the same time, there were things I appreciated from one person that they would have um, perspective about broadways that I would have never had. This person likes to go hiking and doing these things and I'm exploring something else I wouldn't have done or, you know, learning about different kinds of values and perspectives from different well different races right and then the I guess like that was definitely one of the my favorite things and also but the key thing was always being transparent I'd always said they're welcome to do that however hygiene is massive always use a condom change the sheets do not see me after you see another girl respect me respect her and don't ever fucking lie to me and if you double book you tell me we can we can work that out but if you lie about that and cancel me to me that just says do you think someone else is more worth spending time with than myself, Mm. then that's when I immediately cut it off. I think the cons are that sometimes, you know, despite being mostly confident, and I trust that people have integrity with whom I've chosen, there are moments where I still question their intentions. Mm. Um, And then there are times where, you know, they want to shift into a monogamous relationship, and I can't offer that and people do still get hurt. Mm. Um, And then I think the other thing is, when you're dating multiple people, there are only so many hours in the day. So that eats into my productive time. <laughs> so priorities at one point was the dating versus my personal projects. Um, and that shifted now. Last season, I think I had somebody on the podcast who was Polly. And I don't, I don't know if you do you 
identify as somebody who's poly or do you use like a different term? So for me, I would just say I'm not monogamous and I'm not in a open as in at that time, because if you don't, if unless you and your partner designate that as an open relationship, then it's you're just dating mm-hmm. other people. You're not exclusive, right? But when I say open relationship is that that person is mm-hmm. my primary and then I date other people. Okay. So they are still my priority. Um, and then poly from as I understand it, correct, I might be wrong. So you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is um, they are emotionally involved with all the partners. Whereas I think the open depending on how you set up your to, um, terms mm-hmm. is more about you can date other people. Okay. But emotionally, you're connected to your primary. Yeah, I mean, I think people have different definitions for both. And it's just really whatever kind of works mm-hmm. for you in your situation. And so you being in this kind of like non-monogamous relationship or relationships that you've been in. uh, Well, I I brought up the person who was Polly before because I had said to him, I was like, how in the world do you keep your calendar straight? Like, (laughs) literally, I'm like, you're juggling. (laughs) You're like, you're doing God's work with that GCAL. Like, how do you keep track of all of your relationships? How do you make time for yourself? And also, I mean, I think this is a natural feeling and people have it in all sorts of relationships, but how do you manage jealousy? So I think, again, that's where I keep going back mm-hmm. to the being completely honest and transparent. And I also, you know, in the reality of things, if, you know, I don't, I, I've shifted from the mindset of comparing myself to someone else. Um, the first open relationship ended because he had met a girl that made him, gave him an ultimatum and he chose to go with her. He, you know, we spent the weekend together having quality time. He did all my favorite things, cooked for me and everything. Um, and then we called it quits. And then he ended up dating her exclusively for just one week. Um, but what I learned from that going, the reason why I brought that up was because I did sit there and compare myself like, why did I, Mm. you know, why is she better than me? Why is that better than me? And the funny thing was I had run into him with a different girl um, when I was walking home and I tried to give him a kiss and he was like, I'm busy. Then I spiraled for like two hours. I was like, what the fuck? Like in my head, Mm. I was like, this girl's not cuter than me, all this stuff. And I did the self-loathing kind of conversation. Then I checked myself. I was like, if I had met her separately, mm. would I say these same things? No. The only thing that was like that became a part of it was because I was comparing myself to them. And so that's where I managed the jealousy. When guys look at girls online and Instagram and find them attractive, it's also what they find you attractive for. So you need to be confident in that. And again, I think how someone treats you says a lot about how they feel about mm. you. Trust their actions and just don't sit there and like marinate. If you have a problem, ask, talk to them. Hey, like, I feel like you're spending more time with this person. Are you more interested in them? If so, let me, you know, back up a bit or maybe we need to shift our dynamics. It's again, the transparent conversation. I feel like this is just good advice for anybody. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in. It comes back when people ask me, like, what's the number one thing you learn from your podcast, you talk to so many people. And I'm like, no, the number one thing without a doubt is communication. It's, it's being open. It's being honest. Mm -hmm. It's being able to talk to your partner, whether, or the person you're dating, the person you're seeing, like you should be able to tell them how you're feeling, what you're doing, if what you would like to do to some degree, you know, not overwhelmingly so, but it should be an open conversation. You should be able to If you want to be in a partnership with someone, whether it's open or not, you should be able to talk to them about all sorts of things. And so 
I, I think it's a great lesson to learn just across the board that it doesn't just apply to these kinds of relationships. 100%. Um, and then going back to the GCAL <laughs> thing that you mentioned, um, obviously, I'm in the event planning thing. If it's not on my GCAL, it's not happening. Like I tell these to my friends and I even send them dinner, like friends catch up. Like if I don't, if they, if they don't, like if it's not in my calendar, not happening. I, and they make fun of me when I send them the invites, you know. Um, but going to the setting time, this is the easy part of like, hey, I'm seeing someone for dinner Monday, Wednesday, whatever. That's easy. I think the challenging mm-hmm. part is like if you're emotionally involved, what's interesting is if you're able to remember what's important to them and not mix up. You know, a funny joke that we can talk about. Have you ever called mm-hmm. someone else someone else's name in bed, you know? Um, or like, you know, do you get the birthdays mixed up and stuff like that? And those are the things I think that's, that's important. And I've been blessed with a good memory. Um, even my friends say, you know, I have like a memory of an elephant for a lot of things. And I think that boils down to Mm. how much do you care about that individual, right? If you don't care, um, nothing they can say fucking matters. Like for me, once I lose interest in you and I don't like you, you need to just stop breathing. Like don't even be around me, you know? Whereas like, if I care about you as a friend, I'll remember like the day you have your first Mm. interview or job, your next steps. Like these are things that I will naturally remember. So I think that may be the part that could be challenging if you aren't able to multitask and um, you're like, there are certain personalities that aren't meant for being able to do multiple dating. They're just, you know, values and who they are. Yeah. And you know, when I think about open relationships and it's a, it's like a structure I've considered before, I think I get overwhelmed with the thought of, you know, that emotional investment component where it's like, okay, well, I have maybe a primary partner and I want them to be kind of involved with my life, my friends, my family. Like, yeah. If I get, if if I'm seeing other people, this is just a hypothetical, right? Like, let's say I get invited to like a fun event, right? You have something going on. Who do you invite? Like, <laughs> do you invite? Is it your prerogative yeah. to always invite kind of your primary partner to do things with you? Do you feel like certain partners fulfill certain roles within certain things? And at what point, like, do you have multiple partners meet your family? Do you have just one? Do you leave them out of it completely? Like, where where does that emotional investment kind of end with certain partners but continue with others? Yeah, I think that's um that's a really interesting thing. I think that's more like a poly thing. For me, I mm. think the way I had and also my partner's um, were very, we were, it was just, it was easy. They all, I just didn't introduce them to my friends. Um, every time I spent time with them, it was just dates. Um, Mm. so it was, I didn't invite them to events. Um, I didn't expect to go to their birthdays or anything like that either. Mm. Of course, uh, if I'm with them, I'll, you know, take them out. Um, and then, you know, they're, I definitely kept that very separate. My dating was very separate. And Mm. then my inner circle would know more details about who they are, of course. Um, But besides that, I kept a very clear line. Like if they're not a person that I want involved, I can see long-term involvement. I'm not interested to introduce them. And also I'm okay to go to their things when they invite me because I just love meeting people. But I do make it clear that just to make sure we're still on the same page. This doesn't mean that this dynamic changes. I'm not thinking that we're shifting into being exclusive or that I'm more important because of this. Yeah. And that's so interesting. So you kind of draw a line for these partners where it's like, I'm here for the companionship. I'm here for what you and I can provide each other. Yes. I don't need 
you to get involved with my life outside. And also whether that is like companionship, whether that's something physical, this is like, this is all we're doing. Correct. I think it's out of respect that some of them originally start with they may want more and they're Mm -hmm. okay with the setup. And then also I don't want to create any confusion because that is something personal. Like my friends are very important to me. They're my family. And so I'm not like I don't want to waste their time meeting someone that may not be someone long term like some Mm -hmm. of these are like two months and three months and you know people just move on and that's my business you know um but then there are there have been a couple um individuals where you know the dynamic just shifted and it became fully platonic and then we would hang out in social settings and you know they tell tell me about girls that are dating and Mm -hmm. things like that but it's also I'm very clear once I say it's platonic, it's platonic. Okay, so I want to go a little bit deeper into your relationship. So who are the kinds of people you're seeing? Who are you drawn to? Who are you attracted to? How are you meeting these people? Funny. Um, So when I came back, I wasn't going out very much. And then I did wind up downloading Hinge after just Tinder was just shite. I, I did meet a couple good ones. And then just it was like, they would there was always like a second date follow-up I just wasn't interested very much um and then I have met one organically from going to working out I love training so that was from one um but I do have a policy don't shit where you work train and live mm-hmm. so um the training part I don't, it's not that because of him I don't go to the gym it's just it's honestly so out of the way for me I no longer go there mm. um but we have become very good friends honestly And then the other part of it is definitely smile. Like smile is a big thing for me. Um, Mm. Their kindness and if they can keep up with banter, like good humor is very important to me. Um, And I am quite vain. So vanity is definitely a part of it. Swag has to be there. Um, (laughs) That is a big part. They are. I've been very lucky. They've been all very fit. When you say like vanity, obviously people have different preferences. Yeah. Like, do you think you have certain physical preferences with your partners? You know, it's so funny. So again, this is going to sound really vain. Um, I expect I do expect them to be active. Like, they need to work out regularly because that's also a reflection of who they are. As in, like self care, self love, self discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very attractive. And then, of course, the byproduct of having abs and stuff, that's just fantastic. Nice (laughs) arms, good smile. Those are all important to me. And then I think in terms of their looks, they have varied, to be honest. I find them very attractive. And some of my girlfriends are like, they're good looking, but they don't see it. Like, they can appreciate they're good looking. I think George Clooney kind of style is, you know, for a little bit my thing. Mm. Um, Definitely the Ken doll kind of like pretty boy. Um, but I definitely have a, like a, I don't know how to say, I guess like the boy next door, like the sweet, like a really good smile really gets me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. So kind of like silver foxy, like well put together. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like somebody maybe who dresses well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got you. I got your vibe. <laughs> so with your partners now, mm-hmm. how many, how many people are you seeing do you is it one is it multiple like so right now I've actually so um I've decided that I want to shift my priorities to my projects and work because we talked Mm. about the time and I have kind of met someone that I am interest very interested in getting to know um and we are both getting to know each other and it's been going very well um so I'm not seeing anyone else because I think after I met him 
I really realized that I think maybe at this point, like I finally wanted to spend a lot of time with one person, like our interests mm. were aligned and, you know, like um, we hold each other accountable for improvement things and, you know, the things we enjoy doing. We always have, we, like, we honestly just always have the best time and, you know, was able to have very candid conversations from day one. Um, so I haven't um, been dating anyone else since May. Okay. That's a minute. Yeah. And, you know, obviously. Oh, maybe not May. Sorry. Not May. More June, 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 July, end of June. Yeah. <laughs> well, the whole point of this podcast, right, is for people to kind of connect and meet if they're interested. Yeah. So if there was, like, you know, somebody who was interested in meeting you, would you be potentially open to it? I'd be open for a chat, but then we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at the moment, I just right now, I, I am, besides the him, it's more that I want to focus on my projects, mm-hmm. and that's my priority. Yeah, makes sense. So with all of this, these dating experiences you've had, does one stand out in being like especially noteworthy or have you had really terrible dates that you've been on or <sighs> really amazing dates that you've been on? Yeah, so I would say um, one of the whirlwind ones, it's just I met um, this particular person, I met him, and we were talking about event planning. And then that was a year ago, we had talked. And then afterwards, we didn't really we didn't stay in touch. And then we finally met when he was in New York. And then that just became a whirlwind of spending a lot of time together. So that is something noteworthy. I think what really was so interesting about it was just everything just flowed. There was no, Mm. it wasn't forced. I didn't have to pretend. He didn't pretend. He was very forward about how he felt. I was forward about how I felt. Um, And things were, you know, to be be honest, originally it started very light. And it still is light um, in the sense we're not like we're getting married and having kids, but we are definitely getting to know each other, which I like much better than, you know, having the, this isn't going to work out, therefore I'm dating you, because that was something I had in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very terrible date when I was younger. You're going to like this one. So I was really pissy at a birthday in the city, and it was mid-20s, and um, I had a martini in my hand. He approached me, um, and basically I was just not having it, and I was like, look, thank you for offering. I really don't want the drink. Came back around later. And then came back the third time. And then he really fucked me off. And then I just was like, look, I was like, I don't know how many drinks you want to buy me, but it's not going to get me drunk and I'm not going (laughs) home with you. And then somehow that sparked a conversation and we swapped information (laughs) and we go on a date. And he takes me to a fancy spot. Like I was, you know, wide eye kind of thing. And then we started talking and, you know, considering we actually spoke quite a quite a while um, then he goes, so what are you looking to do? I was like, well, I, you know, uh, auditing and I had this whole career mapped out and then he goes, oh my God, you're actually smart. And it took me a second and I was like, is this motherfucker being sarcastic? <laughs> and his face was not like, you could tell like he was like, oh shit kind of thing. And, um, mm. I had a bit of a temper, so I poured water on his head and walked out. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was one of the not-so-controlled moments. But yeah, that was a pretty bad one. <laughs> At least it was water and not something else. <laughs> yeah, he should be so lucky. Um, but it was <laughs> I walked out and I was like, motherfucker. Because um, that also <laughs> felt like such an invalidation. Like, wow, like, you mm. did, like, was it just looks? Or like, what the fuck? Like, were you just trying to get in my pants? And was it that easy? Or like, all these, like, you know, again, yeah. this was when I was super young. And it was really stupid. So... 
one question I ask everybody before, you know, usually we get into these conversations is where do you like to go out and where do you like to eat? And I think that's especially interesting for you because you're in hospitality. Yeah. So, um, I mean, places I like to go to, I definitely like going to Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we giving specifics now or? Yeah, yeah. You can give specifics. So I definitely love going to Sarah Mouse. It's a social club where there's, you know, pool. I love shooting. I love shooting pool. So I go to the billiards quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely one of my preferred dates kind of thing. Um, If a guy can't shoot, don't even bother. Um, and then, um, I do like, I love doing activities. So like whether that's bowling or pool, um, and then I love going to Ivory Peacock. They have fantastic Mm. cocktails. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous venue. And they also have a speakeasy bar downstairs. And then I think in terms of food, I love Korean barbecue. I love, Mm. I, I lift, so I love my protein. And then I definitely love omakase. So, um, Japanese. So my favorite one from back in the day would be Sushi Yasuda. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now I've been, I don't have a place like I repeat very often, to be honest, just because there's so many places to try in New York. And then I think a Greek place I really like, um, I always forget the name because I can't pronounce it. Taverna Kayerna, whatever that the one in in Astoria, I can send it to you later, but holy Mm -hmm. shit, the Holy Grail Greek food. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know Astoria is known for Greek food. Yeah. Yeah. Send me the name later so I can make sure to put it up somewhere correctly. But I know we're approaching our time together. So I end every single segment with rapid fire this or that question called shots. So are you ready to do some shots? Yeah, let's do it. I love shots. (laughs) Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Work hard or play hard? Both. Dine out or delivery? Dine out. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Money or fame? Money. Coke or Pepsi? uh, Coca-Cola, for sure. Spicy or mild? Mild. Coffee date or drinks date? Drinks date. What's your favorite season? Summer. (laughs) What's your favorite song right now? I don't have one. (laughs) how bad is that i'll just go with my usual um it's just maria maria what is your drink of choice tequila shower espresso martini if you had a boat what would you name it oh shit i guess oh shit (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) that's all of our questions thank you so much for coming on i knew I was going to enjoy this conversation and I hope that all of our listeners enjoy as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. And I feel quite wise. Thank you for that. You Well, you are. So <laughs> I'm glad we could share it with the world. And if you are interested in matching with our guest platonically or romantically, you can do that with the link in our bio on Instagram at drinks.first. And if you don't have an Instagram, you can go into the description of this podcast. The matching form will also be there. So I'm your host, Ariana Nathani. You can find me at ariana.nathani on TikTok and Instagram. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you.